see you guys this morning. Um, we are starting into our fourth week of our sermon series called Marked, called by the Savior. Um, what we've been examining is this idea that God doesn't just expect us to live good moral lives, but there's actually more that he wants from us. Um, the description of life with God that we see in Scripture over and over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we see God calling people at times to, to very specific things. And kind of going with the theme is, is, I can't even speak, as specific as our fingerprints are. They're very unique to us. God's calling for us. And last week, um, after looking previously in the previous weeks of looking at quite a few Old Testament stories, we studied the scriptures that saw how Jesus calls people to follow him. And we looked at these kind of points when we when we follow Jesus, we become students, we become apprentices of his, um, ordering our lives around the same purposes that he's ordered his life around, right? So part of being a disciple of Jesus is being with Jesus. You got to spend time with Jesus in order to be a disciple of his. Um, it's becoming like Jesus and then doing what Jesus did, right? It was something that we looked at last week. And this week, um, we want to continue looking at Jesus and um, get some more pointers on what it means to be called by him. Um, and we're just going to jump right in. Our primary passage this morning is found in Mark chapter 5. Um, if you want to turn with me there, if you have your Bibles or, or uh, uh, phones even, right? Um, in this passage, we read the story of Jesus and his disciples traveling by boat to a region called the Gerasenes, right? And the story has always captured my attention. As a kid, reading through this story or hearing about this story, it just kind of, wow, this is just a crazy story. Um, as soon as the, the disciples and Jesus got to the edge of the, and got out of the boat, they greet this demon-possessed man. <laughs> that just kind of screams for, what? Right? Read with me starting with verse 1. It says, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had, not, he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut themselves, cut himself with stones. I mean, isn't this kind of the coolest encounter? Can you imagine being there for that? <laughs> I mean, it just kind of shows you that if you follow Jesus, you just might encounter some of the craziest people on the planet, right? You just never know what, where he's going to send you or who he's going to send, send you to meet, right? And look at the description. The person lived isolated among the tombs. That's a creepy place all by itself, right? Much less a crazy guy running around. Um, and he'd been, apparently been in this condition, being tormented by demons um, for years. And just imagine the strength that he had. If he couldn't be bound, just breaking chains, could, no one could hold him back. And throughout the day and night, he walked about the tombs, the mountains, I mean, how fun is it to just walk through the, the cemetery 
next door, right? Nobody likes to walk through the cemetery at night, but think about this tombs and this guy wandering around, crying out, cutting himself. Um, can you imagine someone living like that or like that in our community? I mean, you probably, especially if he was across the street, I mean, just imagine if there's some guy wandering around out there would we even go outside if we were here at church? I mean, we're watching our kids for sure, right? Don't let them go out. <laughs> he, would, he would be under our consideration all the time, wouldn't he? There's some guy wandering around town like that. Kind of reminds me of living in grizzly bear country. Um, I spent a lot of time uh, when I was living in Cody, Wyoming, um, going hiking, and we lived in grizzly bear country, and uh, this is actually a teenage uh, grizzly bear that we ran across, and it's just freaky, right? I mean, it's kind of on the same scale for me. You're always, when you're out hiking, you're always thinking. You got to always be prepared, right? And we'd often run run into um, fresh cat and um, fresh footprints in the dirt. We just knew they were around, and fortunately for us, we never actually saw one on a trail. We, it's nice to see them from the car, right? <laughs> we don't want to see them as we're walking uh, along a trail, but can you imagine on the same type of scale? Um, think about this crazy guy, and for whatever reason, I don't understand why the Bible doesn't name him. I mean, maybe he's someone really important in the church now and they didn't want to reveal his previous life or I don't know what was happening where he doesn't have a name. Um, but you run into this story in Mark and this, this figure and, and you would think that the disciples would have known about this guy, right? If he's at some part of the lake and if you get off there, you better be careful because the crazy guy's there, Right? You know, are you guys imagining this with me? Um, prob probably the disciples, even as they were going that direction in the boat, right? They've got to be wondering, I mean, Jesus, what are you doing, right? And as we've been looking at different characters in the Bible, there are times when God calls us into seemingly dangerous situations, right? Could that be possible? And yet, look at what happens. Verse 6, it says, When he saw Jesus from a distance, the crazy guy, right? He ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. Do you see the twist in the story? While the disciples were most concerned about running into this crazy guy, who was this crazy guy afraid of? Jesus. Wow, right? In fact, how does this man know Jesus at all? Unless it's actually not the man responding, it's the demons inside of him talking, right? And this demon, he's scared for his life because of who's standing in front of him. Can you imagine being one of the disciples watching this scene, maybe looking over at Jesus' shoulder, 
Are they learning something new about their, this companion that they're walking and following Jesus? Do we ever lose sight of the fact that we, we are traveling with the creator of the universe? Honestly, that he is more powerful than any grizzly bear, any crazy guy running around the woods, right? No, I don't think that gives us a license to be stupid, right? But it certainly gives us some assurances that if he calls us to go to a place, that he's, he probably can handle it. Don't you think? What is Jesus calling us to? Well, nothing that he can't handle. True? Now what the demon says really kind of cracks me up a little bit. Verse 7, again. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. I mean, think about this. This is kind of a preemptive move for the demon, um, the unclean spirit. He's actually using language that an exorcist would use on him, right? He's calling down God's help to keep Jesus away from him. (laughs) Do you see that? Come on, God, don't let Jesus torture me. (laughs) Please help me with this guy. Do you see the irony in the story? It's crazy. But then we see in the story why the man was actually saying that, (laughs) Jesus had already taken action, right? He was already speaking. Verse 8, it says, For Jesus had said to him already, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. And from the very beginning, Jesus already knew what was wrong with this guy. You can just imagine all the different theories about why this guy is so crazy, right? But Jesus already knew. Jesus already knows what's going on. We can be assured that, that when Jesus brings us into a situation, he's already way ahead of us. True? He's already way ahead in the game. He's not surprised by this encounter. Instead, we see that he, he really, honestly, has this situation pretty well in hand. This guy's actually scared of him instead of the other way around. Verse 9, it says, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Would that freak any of you out? (laughs) It would be. And he begged, again, look at the response. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Who's in charge? A large herd of pigs were, was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And you see in verse 13, he gave them permission. Who's in charge? <laughs> he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Kind of a tragic end of the story, really, at least for the pigs. But it wasn't the end of the story, was it? News began to spread about what just happened. Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off. They reported this in town and countryside. The people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons (laughs) sitting there dressed 
and in his right mind. And they were afraid. <laughs> you see that? Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. I mean, do you see the reaction to what happened? Fear. Fear, right? Towards who? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Remember, that they probably had had other inter inter interactions with this crazy guy. They had been bothered by him for a long time. They wondered how they would get rid of this guy, right? They'd been trying to bind him. He broke all the shackles. He's super strong. There's nothing they can do to, to defend themselves against this guy. And yet Jesus comes along, and this guy is nothing. Isn't that just crazy to think about? This guy is nothing. And you see the response in verse 17, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Are you surprised by that? And then, then I want you to catch this part. Make sure you catch this part. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, which means he was responding to what they had said, he, they wanted him to leave he was leaving. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Now, we were talking about last week that if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you got to spend some time with Jesus, right? So he's doing it. He, he wants to go with Jesus. But look at verse 19. Jesus didn't let him go. He said, go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So what does the man do? He goes away and he began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Why were they amazed? They knew who this guy was. Was being the key word, right? They knew this guy. They knew he was the crazy guy, right? This newly delivered man, I mean, he wants to go with Jesus. He wants to stick close to him. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But Jesus throws him a curveball. Jesus wanted the man to follow him. <laughs> he didn't want to follow him literally. He wanted him to follow him by returning home to be his disciple, to be his witness there, at home, right? And I think we, we see a principle in following Jesus here. You know, sometimes we want Jesus to call, into the, call us into these exciting adventures. There's probably some of us who don't want Jesus to call us into those exciting adventures, right? But, but some of us do, right? We, we hear all these great stories from the mission field, and we think, man, wouldn't it be cool to be a part of that, Right? We want to be a, be a part of those big things, and, and sometimes he does call us to those places. Even when we're not asking to go, <laughs> that happens as well. I mean, anyone ever heard of Casper, Wyoming? Uh, 
But sometimes Jesus calls us to follow him in the normal. In everyday life where we live. In fact, I would say that most often we don't have to move to Africa to be a part of the plan of God. You think that's true? Now, some people do have that calling, but not most, not everyone. And again, it's a unique calling. We all have unique callings of God on our lives, right? There are different types of callings, but they're still callings. Is that true? I think sometimes we don't think staying home is a calling. Think about that. And, and couldn't there be seasons of both where maybe God calls us to stay home or sometimes we go off somewhere or maybe a little bit of both? The truth is that God's purpose is always that we would image, we would, as we talked about last week, that we would represent him wherever we are. It doesn't matter where we are. He wants us to do those things, even in ordinary places, ordinary routines, our homes, schools, work, communities. We can be a disciple of Jesus in the everyday stuff of life, right? Is that true? Do you think that's true? Or do you think we have to go to Africa? <laughs> I think there are some principles about Jesus' calling that we can glean from the story. How do we live as witnesses of Jesus, imaging Jesus, showing people what Jesus is and about, um, as his followers, where the first principle I see in this story is this, that God wants us to be faithful and obedient followers of Jesus wherever we are, whatever we do, right? Mark 5.19, in our story today, Jesus is telling this guy that he healed to go home to your own people. What's he saying? Go to your, go to your friends. Go to your neighbors. Go to your family. Whenever Jesus sends us, we are to do what gives him glory, right? You guys all know Colossians 3, verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Literally, in the usual course of life, God can use us. In the normal things, getting up in the morning to go to work, going to school, eating meals, socializing with others. We're to glorify God in all of those things, wherever we are. Is that true? The second thing I think we can draw from this is that no matter where we are, we are to testify to others about the work of God in our lives. Again, in Mark 5, 19, Jesus tells that man to tell them how much the Lord has done for you what he literally tells him to do. God has done an incredible work in all of our lives. None of us are exempt of this. We all have things that God has done for us. And so as we live our lives relationally with other people and we introduce ourselves to them, why wouldn't we also introduce some of those amazing moments of God where God did some incredible work in our lives. That should naturally be a part of our own stories. True? And he's done so much for us. He's a huge part of our lives. So why wouldn't we just 
yeah, something else a part of my life. I have this Savior that I just love, and he's done some amazing things for me. Have you thought about that? <laughs> the third thing I see in these, this story is that we are to let the fruit of our transformed lives be a blessing to others. Think about it. You see in this story, we have this guy who <laughs> was beyond crazy, and now he's completely different. And that wasn't his fault that he was completely different. That was Jesus doing that, right? Changed his life. And his family, his friends, his neighbors, they all knew his previous story. They knew what he was like. You guys have people in your life who knew what you were like before Christ, how you have changed. Now we have this new chapter in his life. And his life is such a huge testimony to the power of God. True? And again, we can, we can do that wherever we are. We can glorify God by the way we live our lives wherever we are, right? But I don't think that the place is not important. And that leads to the fourth principle. We need to recognize the place and the people that God is calling us to. In the story, Jesus didn't tell the man to do these things wherever he wanted to go, right? He gave him, him a very specific place, of a very specific, I still can't say that word, um, people to go to, right? That even when he doesn't call us to Africa or Casper or wherever, even when he calls us to stay home, that place is still important. He's still calling us to that place, right? He is still calling us to this place. Do you think that's true? And the, that really is an important discovery in our lives. Part of this is discovering what God is calling us to do and to be, asking that question. At least for this season, God, what are you calling me to? Where are you calling me to? To what place? To what people? And honestly, that's one of the reasons why we have a formal membership in our church. Because we want us thinking about that. If you're not being called to Africa, you might be called to here, right? To this place, to this community. That's an important question. So think about these four principles. Number one, God wants us to be faithful and obedient to followers of Jesus wherever we are and in whatever we do. Number two, no matter where we are, we are to testify to others about the work of God in our lives. That doesn't mean that the place isn't important. Number three, we need to let the fruit of our transformed lives be a blessing to others. Number four, we need to recognize what place and people God is calling us to, even if, if that place is where we are, right? The calling of God, the calling of Jesus in our life, it's an exciting journey, right? But that doesn't mean that every single moment of our lives is going to be a thrilling adventure. Most of the time, Jesus calls us to follow him in those ordinary, 
situations in life. Ordinary places. Honestly, to spend time with the people that we spend time with, right? Our family, our friends, our neighbors, our community members. Those are important places that God can work. So I just want to ask you this morning, what is God talking to you about? What are you thinking about here? What might he be calling you to?